Hey everyone, how's it going? You're listening to Finding Japan, episode 39. Let's go to Akiba. So how are you guys doing? Episode 39. Right on. Okay. Well, um, if you just happened to miss the intro completely, uh, I am on my way to Akiba right now because the strangest thing had happened. Um, today is, let's see, I don't even know what day it is. You know, all I know is that it's getting so close to me going back to school that, uh, I'm sort of dreading it in one way, but looking forward to it in another. So we'll see how that goes. It is, um, it's a two, no, it's a Wednesday. Let's see, September 26th, I believe. And I am walking from my home to Akiba. And the primary reason why I'm doing that is because I came home this afternoon from work and found that, um, we're going to get some noise here. And found that uh, my power adapter for my computer was chewed through and slightly burnt. And it was actually quite scary because it's the type of thing where uh, it could just, I imagine it could just easily catch on fire and kind of dangerous. So uh, my um, father is a firefighter, so I don't really uh, mess around with that kind of stuff. So I uh, got my butt quickly out the door and on my way to get a, go get another power adapter and hopefully we don't pick up any other goodies from the Apple store while we're there. So I figured instead of taking the train and shortening my ride, I will take you guys along with me and we will go to Akiba together. Maybe even go into Yorobashi camera and get you guys a little glimpse of the uh, kick-ass awesome theme music that they have. You, this will be one of those podcasts where there are lots of external, let's say, third-party noises. And I hope that uh, you can bear with me through those, and maybe that'll just add to the experience. I'll try to take some side streets, take the road less traveled, so to speak, so that we can minimize that. But again, this should be an experience, and I will try to keep it the conversation going. It's, it's much easier to focus on the actual act of podcasting when you're sitting in front of a mic, which, which is what I was trying to do when this, when this uh, thing just stopped working, or not stopped working, when I noticed it was chewed through. So I was kind of bummed out, but in another way, I'm kind of glad we get to do it this way. So anyway, enough meta talk. What is going on? Well, um, I am also interested in, let's see, picking up some more gear. Right now I have the Ederol strapped to my chest and you may hear me uh, move it quite a few times but I'm, I'm wearing a uh, a ruck I guess not rucksack like a, like a shoulder bag and I have it strapped across my chest but the the middle strap has two layers one on each side so this thing is kind of caught in between and there goes the coolest boat ever right under my feet here as I cross the bridge here. They actually have tables on that in a bar. I bet you could rent that out. 
Ah, so anyway, let's let's actually make sure that this thing's recording because it has a bad habit of stopping on me. Oh no no no, it's recording. Perfect. Okay. Hopefully there won't be too much wind noise either. But um, I, I'm actually interested in trying to find some lavalier mics or something like that so I can do a few more of these types of podcasts and not have to worry so much about the way I look while I'm doing this and I'm wondering what some of the other podcasters do that actually do a lot of sound seeing tours or or, uh, going through cities or talking to people if you have some tips send them my way I'd I'd appreciate that Ah, so what else Um, there's an update to Ubercaster which is the tool I use for podcasting and apparently they fixed a lot of the performance issues or he fixed it's a single developer I believe so we will be trying that out a little later too. My goal is to get uh, many, as many podcasts completed, edited, and ready to go before the school year starts. Because come this Monday, October 1st, that's when hell will begin. Hold on one moment. trying to secure this in such a way where it doesn't create a, a huge problem and uh, I have a feeling I'll be I'll be catching this thing quite a bit I'm pretending to be on the phone so I don't look crazy but I'm sure if anyone re- half realizes what I'm up to they're gonna they're gonna look at me kind of funny Maybe it's kind of good when you're when you're walking slow but it doesn't really do much for you when you're when you're walking uh, at a brisk pace such as I'm doing but at any rate, um, yeah, so school begins on October 1st, and I have already registered, and I ended up taking the advice of my instructor which, and skipping a grade level. So um, we shall see, soon see whether or not that was an advisable decision or something I will later regret. Um, I'm taking a level 3 regular course cut down a side street here. If you can notice, see how much quieter it becomes as soon as you head down a side street. It's pretty awesome. I hope the wind resistance is uh, coming in on the mic too. I hope it's not getting too loud. I'm trying to listen for it here in the headphones. Eh, it doesn't sound too bad. Ah... I've never been to Akiba during the weekday. Kind of wondering what I'm going to see when we get there. Um, but yeah, so I'm taking a regular grammar uh, level three class that has everything included: grammar, vocabulary, etc. And then I'm taking a level three kanji class. Um, I believe you're expected to know somewhere in the order of about 250 kanji before attending that class, and I know. If I was taught in the correct order, each book teaches in a slightly different order, but if I was taught correctly, I believe I know about 230. So there should only be a few here that uh, I need some brushing up on. So we'll see how that goes. And then we're also taking... We, <laughs> you you guys are coming with. Um, we're, we will also be taking a... Uh, let's see, it's a communication class where you get to express thoughts and ideas, um, which is something I really need help with. Um, 
I find that I can read the grammar and kind of decode it and understand it, but I need to become more functional with actually speaking my mind um, immediately and getting my ideas across. And then I'm also taking a oral expression class, which don't quite know the difference between the oral expression and the communication class other than uh, the titles of the classes. The descriptions, which were in Japanese, were, were pretty similar. So um, we'll see. And if the classes are the same, I can imagine that the extra practice uh, won't really hurt too much. So should be some, some good fun. Okay, what else? I have everything here on my on my phone. I sent myself an email with some notes, like a like a nerd. All right, let's see. Oh yeah, all this. Wow. Uh, the only other thing that's really been going on is I realized I've been taking like the last four weeks a vacation here to do a lot of thinking and you know when you have that extra free time and you begin thinking about a lot of different things you begin to uh, let your mind wander and I've been diving in to politics yet again and I'm rolling my eyes at myself because I got really into researching um, some of the candidates that were on the table for the uh, 2004 U.S. presidential election and you know the more I dug into it the more I just got disappointed and there's always two if not three or four sides to every story and as you know uh, you can never really know who to trust and if you begin to take everything at face value or begin to very easily uh, try to take people at their word and then find that they're wrong listen to all the pundits on both sides you can get very very uh, frustrated and really feel like there's no real alternative one way or the other so Definitely starting to feel like that again with the uh, U.S. presidential election for 2008. And so that should be interesting as it unfolds. And I'm definitely looking forward to Scott Lockman and his new podcast, which I, I think I think he's actually going to do it. And, you know, I, I hope he does it because I would just love to participate in an open dialogue with um, other people that I already have a somewhat established relationship with and um, that I trust and value their opinions and judgment and Scott is certainly one of those individuals so should be uh, interesting so Scott if you're listening uh, whenever you're ready I would be more than willing to to lend a hand to that effort because I, I do definitely think it's important for people to at least talk and express those ideas and I'm not going to get into my personal and political views one way or the other but suffice it to say that uh, it, this does relate to Japan in one way in that uh, Japan's Prime Minister Shinzo Abe stepped down recently I believe about two weeks ago and uh, they're now looking for a replacement so there's a lot of talk of politics in Japan now too but also being in a foreign country and being away from your home you start getting a better sense of what it is that's really important to you without all the background noise and background chatter. And it gives you some time to clear your head and think about those issues a little more clearly. Additionally, you get most of your information from internet sources, which albeit are not always so reliable, but one of the things that um, you do find is you tend to be more critical about how you filter information 
Americans especially, myself included, are um, quite lazy when it comes to researching things that are important to us. And in fact, I, I completely said that the wrong way. We don't research things that are important to us. We sort of just take it in from the news and uh, take it at that at face value. And um, I'm not saying that any sort of news source is more correct than another, but it's, it's all about the spin and the perspective. And I certainly think that journalism as a whole within the U.S. has just really gone downhill. I still respect the BBC quite a bit, uh, The Economist, and some of those other publications. Oh, there was another really good one, too, that uh, came out lately. I forget, I forget what it is. But The Economist has some really good podcasts that sort of keep you up to date on what's going on in the world, and they can also be somewhat light, so it's not always so heavy and serious. Give me a pretty big intersection right here. I think what we'll do is I'm gonna cool it for a little bit. I'll let you guys take in the uh, sights and sounds here, <laughs> or just the sounds. How about that? Okay, of Japan while I get myself to a uh, a little quieter street. I wonder if people think I have something strapped to my chest like a bomb detonator. I look like a little bit like Darth Vader with, uh, you know, his little control breathing console. When I, when, I, when I was a little kid, I had a dream about Darth Vader. And <laughs> my favorite part of that dream is, you know, Darth Vader's a scary man. I mean, he, he's like, what is he, like seven, at least seven feet tall, maybe eight. You know, from a story perspective, he's supposed to be a pretty big guy. You know, they, they, he probably got a little pumped up with those boots, though, when they turned him into a, a Sith Lord, so... But it, but anyway, he... <laughs> my dream... In my dream, I just went up and started pushing all the buttons on the front, and it totally took him out, so... I, I don't know if George Lucas necessarily um, thought about the reason why he would have buttons right on the front, or, or lights. I just assumed they were buttons. Maybe they were just lights. But um, it's actually quite, amu quite amusing. Whoa, someone just opened the door. It scared the crap out of me. Okay, so, yeah, politics in general. And then also, just thinking a little more critically about where the U.S. is in terms of world issues and things like that. And it, it can get so overwhelming. And uh, I definitely think it's good to question your country and to try to make the world, you know, a better place for humanity, at least one way or another. But... It's definitely something, especially with all the conspiracy theories that are out today. 
and misinformation and misinformation about misinformation, it can just get so overwhelming. And I basically decided to put that to rest for now until I have a little more time to dedicate, which will certainly not be until after February of next year. So, summer vacation almost over and classes about to begin again. Okay, okay. We had uh, a question come in here on the podcast, and I don't have access to my regular email right now. I only have my KTI email. Um, but it was from a person who I believe is currently living in the States, and they had quite a few questions about Japan, but one of them, I didn't get into the details too much because I wanted to answer it in the podcast as well. And uh, sort of share some of my experiences with you all about tattoos in Japan.、Um, if anybody has done any sort of light research on Japan, you will know that tattoos are somewhat of a taboo in this country, and mostly because of their association with yakuza and gangsters. But、uh, the question was. If, if I have tattoos in Japan, will I have problems? Will I be looked upon in a bad way? And I, I think the safe answer is maybe. Not to dodge the question, but I do want to talk a little bit about the aspects of that. I, I would say there's a few things that you'd need to take into consideration. Number one, if you have tattoos on your face and you do not look like a tourist, meaning you look like you're trying to. Function in the society, I do think you're going to run into some sort of,、um, I won't say racism, but I can't even think of the word right now. My head's too jumbled with Japanese words. But, but you will run into some sort of issues with people prejudging you, prejudice. There you go. Just work it through, work it through. And especially among the The older generation and the people who don't have tattoos. Many people here who are, I would say, maybe、uh, about 40 and older don't have tattoos. And that's not necessarily true in the US. I think most of the people don't, but there are quite a few people who do. I mean, you can think of the biker guy who goes to the biker bar. You can think of、uh, many other people. Ooh, there's a bunch of kids out here hanging out. They all look like. Music concert rocker kids. It'd be kind of cool.、Uh, yeah, they're all looking at me like, what's that guy doing with the recorder on his chest? They're, I think they're hip enough to know what's up. I have no idea what that horrendous sound is. I'm sorry. There's a lot of construction going on here. If you draw a line between. Where I live in Akihabara goes through an area called Asakusabashi. It's nowhere near Asakusaka, it's, it's, or Asakusa. It's, it's quite, quite a ways south, but it's、um, a really cool area. Lots of little nice restaurants, small streets, things like that.、Uh, so, yeah, tattoos. If you have some very visible tattoos that aren't easily hidden by clothing, I think you will run into some minor prejudices when dealing with some of the older generation. 
which I think would be quite true in other countries, but I think you'll find more mis immediate mistrust, um, perhaps very unfounded, but, um, you know, looks say a lot about somebody, you know, first, first impressions in a society that's quite uh, homogenous is, is, is fairly important. I mean, even as a foreigner, a clean-cut foreigner, you're going to get some automatic distrust built into you, uh, the interactions of people around you, and that's, that's just something you have to accept. If you have, uh, if you drastically alter your appearance to be even further away from that, then that will be amplified. So that's something you, you do have to consider. Now, I will amend that by saying, if you're primarily dealing with the younger generation, and by that I mean, if you're going to work at a tattoo parlor, or a skate shop, or work with bands, or be in a band, or just come out here and generally have a good time, I don't think you'll have that much of a problem. I have seen people here with tattoos on their faces. I have seen the Japanese 20-something, uh, I want to say like early 20s to early 30s year old with, you know, the elbow tattooed with the star on the web, you know, that classic emo rocker tattoo, or that emo star tattoo that I absolutely despise for a plethora of reasons. But you, you, you can actually see um, quite a few people like that. So I think if you're, if you're in that crowd and you're, you're trying to just you know, be yourself and you seek out like-minded people, I, I don't think you'll have a problem at all. But I think if you are looking to, say, work in business and you have a tattoo on your uh, hand or your finger or your uh, fingers themselves, I mean, you're going you're gonna to have some issues. I really think that to be true. Not not to sound uh, too crazy about it, but that you're definitely going to have um, some prejudices prejudices thrown your way, and, and I think that's that's true anywhere. But again, just a little more amplified here in Japan. So I hope that answered your question about tattoos in Japan. And I would say, um, even if you're unsure, come out here and experience it and see if it is something that uh, you can deal with or, or something that. Uh, you know, per perhaps the town that you come from is worse than, you know, quite a cosmopolitan city such as Tokyo. Um, who knows? I don't know what I'm talking about. That's, that's just my perspective. So I hope that helps, and I hope that answered your question. And um, I, again, thank you for, for writing, and I apologize that I can't remember your name, though I do, I do remember uh, the, the nature of your name and and what you had told me. So again, thanks for your question. Okay, what else? Oh, I wanted to talk about work. Y you know, I'd been collecting topics for the work episode, and um, there are three, I think, that were actually quite amusing. And the first one is our emergency rescue kit bag that has shown up on <laughs> everybody's chair one day. I walk in, and I usually get in early during, during my working hours now because I don't have school. And I walk in, and there's a bunch of uh, empty chairs like normal, but on the back of each chair is like a, I guess you could describe it as like a fanny pack, but it's a little bigger, and it's bright orange. It's that like, emergency, come find me in the snow type orange. And I look around, I'm like, what is this? And like, clearly it's some sort of like, emergency package, but the great thing was, is sometime during the day, later on that day, we got a demonstration of everything that's in that bag. And we all had to sort of stand up in our chairs and look over to the middle of the room to see this demonstration. And the things that are in this bag is just out of control. First of all, there's water, which that makes sense. There's about a liter of water in the bag. The second thing that's in the bag is a bunch of um, bread. 
And this bread apparently is like good forever bread. It's some sort of mixture of like protein and carbs, but it's it's I'm sure it's highly preserved and it's I'm sure it doesn't taste anything like bread. Probably tastes more like a some sort of weird power bar. But um oh, got some wind there, hold on. Okay. And uh it's just <laughs> it looks terrible to eat. It looks like it would hold you over for a good um I don't know, maybe two hours, three hours, based on the size it is. There is um, a hat with a long uh, neck piece that goes that goes down the back of your neck. And I later asked one of my coworkers what this um, floppy faux safari hat was for, and they told me it was to protect from flying glass. And I don't know about you, but I'm having trouble seeing the application of me quickly being able to grab some sort of hat to protect me from flying glass that I see coming my way um, when in need to protect myself from flying glass. Um, it's just, it strikes me as, as strange. And, you know, we, we do live in a earthquake-prone area of the Pacific Rim, and clearly there are earthquakes, but if there's an earthquake, I'm more worried about protecting um, my entire body, not the back of my neck, from flying glass. And, and certainly not uh, being able to anticipate the flying glass coming to my neck. So either my coworker told me something that was incorrect or the usage just doesn't make sense. Um, the other thing that's in there that's actually pretty cool is a flashlight that you wind up that also has a small radio and one of those really loud, annoying beacons so that you can be found in a pile of rubble. That's actually probably the coolest thing that's in there. There are also um, some water purifying materials where you can mix these chemicals with the waters and create uh, potable water. And... I believe there are also a few feminine products. Now, I'm not quite sure exactly what the deal was with this because they did mention that there are some additional things that you can buy um, for yourself or for your family. So I don't know if this was sort of a sales pitch or something like that where people get some free stuff and then they take it home. But I will say, to this day, all of those bags are still there. Nobody's touched them, so if it is sort of a freebie thing, people are being really cool about it, and they're just keeping it there. So everybody has a nice little orange bag on the back of their chair to protect them from flying glass in the event that they should need to protect their neck. So that's that's one interesting thing about the Japanese office, the orange bag with the hat to protect you from flying glass. I think we should do that in the U.S., what do you think? That'd be great. Okay. Um, the other thing was a nap time. This, this is actually pretty interesting, and I haven't seen anything like this in um, the United States. I would have to say that on average, during lunchtime, which is nearly exactly from 12 to 1, 50% uh, of the people leave the building to go out to lunch, and that's quite normal, and they usually go out in groups. I would say 10% of the people will sit at their desk and eat quietly, and many will actually take the time to do some personal web surfing or reading or things like that. But a good 40% of the people, the rest of the people, will, will put their head down as the wind goes by. will put their head down and actually sleep 
at their desk for a good hour. And this sleep is not just like spontaneous sleep. This sleep is planned sleep. Everything from uh, one of my favorite approaches is uh, having the headphones on. But the, the best thing is the donut ring pillow, like the massage chair. If you've ever sat in a massage chair, you know they have that donut ring type pillow where you can put your face in the pillow and it's supposed to be quite relaxing and everything. But people have these pillows for their desks while they sleep. This is totally incredible. And one of the um, people that I work with who actually has his own closed-in office just sort of lays back in his chair in his recliner and falls asleep for a good, uh, I don't know, maybe about an hour or so. And the thing that really strikes me is People really take it seriously, and then they get up and they're all recharged, and I, I think it's great. I, unfortunately, would feel really bad doing it, um, just because my time there is limited, and I, I want to maximize the time I am there. So sleeping on the job would kind of make me feel not so good, but um, it definitely is an intriguing idea, and perhaps maybe when I work full-time again, that'll be something I institute and take back with me from Japan. But the real key, I think, would be to try to convince other people to sleep during your lunch hour so that's another thing sleeping at work sleepy time i asked <laughs> i asked one of the translators that i work with i said what's the deal with sleepy time and she didn't know what sleepy time was so i explained to her that 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 was something that i hadn't seen before and i thought it was quite interesting uh, and, and the last thing is um you know being in the it field this is something that i think if you're an it worker you can appreciate now, most people use Microsoft Office. They use the entire suite. So they'll use Microsoft Word to write a paper or a document, Microsoft Excel to do calculations, Microsoft PowerPoint to do presentations. What else? Microsoft Visio to do diagrams, modeling, object-based modeling, things like that. And Microsoft Project to do project planning, we have lead times, lag times, and identifying critical tasks, etc. Well, this company uses Microsoft Excel to an extent that I have never seen in my entire life. I have seen complete system diagrams done in Microsoft Excel. I have seen complete project plans done in critical, cas- critical tasks, I'm sorry, calculated in Microsoft Excel. It's absolutely incredible. It at first struck me as a little archaic. Um, being a technology professional, I mean, we clearly look for the best tool to do the job. But as I've been working there, I quickly realized that this is the best tool for the job that they do. It is a tool that they've taken and used it in a way where they are both comfortable with it, fast with it, and um, can actually maintain things very well. And it made me realize that the usage of the tool and the rigor by which you actually leverage the tool is more important than the actual functionality of the tool, to a point. Clearly, if there is functionality that's missing, you're not going to be able to get uh, your job done. But I have seen so many creative uses of Excel, I'm I'm absolutely convinced that um, for about... 50% 50% of what I u- used to use Visio for, I could probably do in Excel. And many of the, the things that um, I have classically used Microsoft Project for, especially putting together draft project lines and, and things like that, 
and identifying critical tasks because you definitely do all, that also in Microsoft Excel. So really, uh, really kind of neat. I, I'd want to submit some of the tips sometime maybe to like Lifehacker or one of those sites that specializes in the top five things you can do with Microsoft Excel. The top seven ways to no longer clean underneath your fingernails or the top ten ways to uh, sleep less and get more done. I, I'm beginning to actually kind of dis, despise that site in one way because it's reducing a lot of uh, important information, I think, that's, that's useful for people to know into these small little bite-sized chunks that taken out of context can be quite meaningless. I mean, I, I think I actually read three or four different um, posts within the same day that, that contradicted each other because they were different items and different lists. Like, you know, getting top five ways to get more sleep and get more done followed quickly by, like, the top ten ways to sleep less and get more done. It was, it was something completely ridiculous like that, and I quickly realized that I think people just like those little digestible nuggets of information or factoids or things to try, and... When you start seeing the same things over and over again and you start seeing lists rearranged, it just, it just gets kind of boring and got to, at least, at least I do, I just need to prioritize my time a little better and spend less time thinking about productivity and spending a little more time being productive. Who'd have thunk? Ah, but anyway, so those are the three things about uh, the Japanese office that I thought you would all enjoy, the orange bags and... Uh, sleepy time and the the power of Microsoft Excel when leveraged properly. Wow, we're coming up at 33 minutes, which will actually probably be a little less since uh, there might be a little editing in this just right at the beginning. So I think what I'll do is I will jump into Yodobashi camera here and go through and get what I need to get and then uh, you guys will get, let's see, you get um, episode 40 sometime next week which will be the return trip, but in the meantime head on over to the site leave some comments, There's there's been a, a whole group of new people who have commented on the site and left some very interesting and insightful comments and some very encouraging comments too seems like podcasters have a habit of sort of going in and out of the fold um, in cycles I, some sort of uh, biorhythm of a podcaster where I think from like episode 1 to about 30 it's really strong and then 30 to 40 it starts to tail off and get a little lazy and then people drop off for about 4 months and then all of a sudden they're back again and then the, uh, the cycle repeats. It's quite interesting. Someone should study that, but there's probably a uh, whole set of things that are more worth studying than the uh, lives of podcasters. I just realized that I don't know exactly where I need to go either, so I think what we're going to do here is walk. Ah, uh, yeah, we gotta go this way. I came out on a, on a really strange street because I just took sort of, I kept taking lefts and rights to kind of zigzag my way down here and didn't realize exactly where I ended up. But I am also on a fairly busy street, which is an intersection of two street level streets, 
and one way a highway above one of the streets and then the other way a uh, 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 set of raised JR tracks for the uh, Chul Sobu line and that is quite loud so with that said I will let you all go and uh, we'll catch up with you all very soon hope you enjoyed and take care talk to you all later bye Well, we'll call this the prologue, I guess, but uh, let's see, it's almost seven, no, what time is it? I can't, I don't even know. Yeah, it's almost 7 p.m., and um, I ended up going to Yodabashi Camera, the Apple Store in Ginza, and Big Camera in Yurakucho, and none of them had the adapter that I needed, so I'm just sitting here now watching some movies on my Arcos PMA portable media player and uh, it has internet access so I'm not without email but of course I can't do any of the editing that I wanted to do so I will not be editing this episode anytime soon and it certainly won't be going out today so when it does go out uh, sorry for the delay hope you understand and enjoy and I will catch up with you all very soon bye now